Welcome to the Yangsen Legacy Podcast SAWS Alumni Series by Eden Cho. Please excuse occasional sound problems due to poor network connections while recording. Hello, Yongsan Legacy audiences. I'm Eden Cho, and will be an MC and director for the Yongsan Legacy podcast. Uh, today, we have Phil as our guest speaker to share his wonderful experience at SAS. Hello, Phil. How are you? Good evening. Thanks for having me on. Um, so I'm just going to start from the basic questions: How you came to SAS, and how long did you attend here? And your general information about your experiences at SAS. Well, uh, in September of 1977. We were transferred there. My dad was in the military. He was in the army, and uh, he was a dentist, an army dentist. And so we were transferred there in September of 1977.、Um, I had left my、uh, senior year of high school from Lawton, Oklahoma, and then、uh, moved to Korea because of that. And then we were there from 1977 until July of 1979. I see. So, when you came to Korea, how was it like, and what are your basic memories about Yongsan? Well, my first、uh, memory of Korea was, and I remember this was forty-four years ago. And even though Seoul was,、uh, you know, had really risen from the rubble of the Korean War, you know, it was a big city with millions of people. To tell you the truth, my first reaction was it was. In my opinion, it was kind of dark and and、um, dirty. I think there was a lot of there was a lot of pollution. I remember that,、um, and I and I was wondering, man, how, you know, what am I doing here? But of course, things really. I mean, from the things that I've seen now, videos and pictures of of Seoul now, it is so much different than it was back then. But、uh, you know, it was just a shock being in a in a foreign country. You know, to me, it was a foreign country, of course. Um, even though we did live on an American military base, you you knew that you were in a foreign country, so it was kind of a kind of a culture shock for me.、Um, and so I spent a lot of time holed up in my house, you know, and I didn't really want to do anything else except stay in my house and my little my little bubble because of、uh, my homesickness and just being a little bit afraid of being in a In a place that I wasn't used to. I mean, I've been—I was used to moving around all of my life, but this was a, the biggest one, you know, moving to a different country, and so I was a little bit intimidated. But thankfully, all that changed after I started to get involved with with things at school and making friends and that kind of thing. And what was the greatest、um, cultural shock you had, or the differences you felt? Um, you know. The biggest thing I remember is just I, I loved my my previous high school. I had so many friends, so as it, it, it was just starting all over, you know. And 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 also, it, this sounds silly, but I missed I missed my favorite TV shows that I used to watch when I was back in the states, you know. And I, and and、uh, so that was one thing I didn't I didn't have my routine anymore where I would come home and there were certain shows that I would watch. You know, before I did my started on my homework and things like that,、um, and and also I had just 
I had just uh, started practicing and I made the basketball team at Lawton High School. So I had to leave that. I was very proud of that because I had tried out the previous year and didn't make it. Um, and so it was, again, making, just having to start over and make some, to make friends and getting used to a new place because I had lived in, in Fort Sill, Oklahoma for, you know, I believe it was five years. So that was the hardest part, I think. And then, of course, just knowing that you were in a different country, um, that was a, a big culture shock as well. And then how was your encounter with Korean culture after you sort of made uh, friends here in Korea and, and resolved some of the problems you had with, with having cultural shocks? Well, you know, after a couple of months, I realized that since I was in Korea, I might as well take advantage of the situation because um, I really realized that not a lot of people my age had that opportunity to to do the things that I could do. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to start to learn the language. I'm going to get off the and just see what's out there because of that experience that a lot of other people wouldn't wouldn't really have. And I found that the Korean people. I never ran into a problem. It seemed like everyone was was uh, thankful for having, at that point, way for for having uh, the military there. Um, and I just remember, I have blue eyes, and I just remember people just staring at me all the time. Just especially because I I had friends who were who spoke Korean, and uh, the, you know they live on the base with me, and so we go walking around, and they would tell me. what some of the the Korean people were saying and a lot of times it was they were talking about my blue eyes you know so I I kind of got used to people staring at me and that kind of thing but uh, but seriously it was just everybody was so friendly and and when they realized that I was making an attempt to speak Korean and learn Korean I think they really appreciated the fact that I was attempting to do that I found that almost the vast majority of Korean people that I met uh, knew at least a little bit of English. And that was really surprising to me because uh, there were times where if I was in a situation where I needed to ask somebody a question, a lot of times there was somebody there that could speak English. And I really appreciated that. But I also got that in return when people were realizing that um, I was attempting to, to learn the language and, and learn some of the culture. I think the The Korean people that I encountered really appreciated that. I see. Then, was there any other um, cultural shock or, again, um, differences you felt after you moved back to the state? Um, you know, it was it when I moved when, when we flew back to Seattle. Mm -hmm. That's the first place that we touched down after leaving Korea. I felt like a, like I was in a foreign country again. Because after living in Korea for almost two years, I became so used to it and ingrained in that in that culture that flying back to the United States and seeing so many people that looked like me, it was it was a shock. It really was. And I remember telling my mom, mm -hmm. it, it just seems weird to be back here. I feel like I'm in a foreign country again. But you know that went away pretty soon. I went you know soon after that I started going to college and and that kind of thing. But I just still remember that that shock of of seeing so many Americans again. That was that was weird to me. Then, um, because you, usually military kids uh, move around different places every 
uh, few years. Um, what were the other places you also moved around, or is there any particular places you remember outside of Yongsan? Sure. Um, well, when I our first place that we moved that I remember is Fort Rucker, Alabama, and then from there we moved back to uh, my dad's hometown of Templeton, Iowa. And the reason we did that is because he was sent to Vietnam for a year. This was 1967 and 1968. So during that time, we lived back in, in his hometown. When he came back from Vietnam, we moved to uh, Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. And then we moved to um, Shawnee, Kansas, which is not which is not very far away from Fort Leavenworth. But the reason that we moved to Shawnee is because the military sent my dad to um, orthodontic school. So he went from becoming a regular dentist to becoming an orthodontist, which is putting on braces and that kind of thing. Uh, then from there, we moved to Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And then from Fort Sill, we moved to Korea. And then after the almost two years there, we moved back to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. And at that point, uh, I started going to college at Iowa State University in Ames, Iowa. So quite a few places. I see. Then, then let's um. Then, like moving around different places, it feels like um, like there's no concept of physically rooted home. Then, right? How would you like define your concept of home and house? Boy, you know, I really didn't. I really didn't have one. I mean, you're right because you just get used to that lifestyle, getting up and moving every two or three years. But the only time that I really felt rooted or that I had a home was living in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. <clears throat> Excuse me, because that was the longest period of time that we lived in one spot, almost five years. And I remember after moving to Korea, I would dream that we were back in that house. And and I would wake up and I was I would be a little disappointed because I thought I was back home as you as you say, um, and uh, after a while those dreams went away. But um, yeah, Fort Sill was probably the only place that felt like home to me because it was really my formative years. I mean, I was there between the ages of 13 and 17, and so I met a lot of friends. You know, I had three years of high school there, and. So that was probably the place that I would I would have called home uh, in in my childhood. Uh, since then, I've lived in I've lived in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where I am now for 33 years. So this is obviously um, my home now, and that's what it feels like. But growing up, it would have been Fort Sill. I, I actually enjoyed moving up until that point because you know, being a kid, you know, you you look forward to different adventures and meeting new people and things like that. Um, I didn't mind it, but it was the hardest one was moving from uh, from Oklahoma to Korea. But looking back, it was one of the I think the be- one of the best moves that we ever made because I've made made so many new friends in in at Seoul American High School that I'm still in touch with. Um, as a matter of fact, we're having a, a reunion in Las Vegas this coming April. I'm re- really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. But I did make a lot of friends in in Korea, but it, it took a while for me to to get over being homesick. So I have a sort of similar experiences with you because um, so I was born in um, Texas and I lived uh-huh. there for four years and then I moved back to Korea and until um, I was 12 I lived in Korea but even when I was in Korea I moved around different places every almost like three years because of my dad's business so uh-huh. I went to 
five elementary schools from three different countries because I was in all I was also in the states. I was in Canada and I was in Korea. So I moved around different places and. Finally, when I um, went back to Korea after staying in Vancouver for one year, I stayed in one city for like four years, so from 13 to 17. Yeah. Even for me, because it was a formative years of my life, it feels like a home for me. And yeah, and I also enjoyed a lot of like moving uh, around different places, which also led me to a lot of interest in interviewing SAS alumni. Sure. Yeah, you know, for, when you move around a lot as a kid, Um, you you learn to accept change. You learn to accept new people. You look forward to meeting new people. So I that happened to me every every you know two three years, and that was even multiplied moving to Korea because not only are you meeting new people, you know from America, there were so many people that I met. You know, because a lot of kids who went to Seoul American High School weren't necessarily military kids. They might have been embassy kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I met people from Israel and and um, you know uh, uh, the Middle East. You know, Saudi Arabia, um, uh, all different countries. And you just learn. You just come to the realization that we're basically. We're we're basically all the same. We want the same things, you know. We just want to grow up. We want to get a job. We want to have a family, you know. Raise kids and uh, make sure your your kids do better than you know that than you did. So you just learn that, you know. To me, anyway, the world is one big community. Um, obviously, there are political differences and things like that that are hard to overcome. But when you're a kid and you're growing up and you're all just kind of in the same situation in a And you're kind of all in a, in a country that you're not used to. You just bond, and it was. I just look look back at that as just an awesome experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important to some degree have a experience of moving around as a child because um, for me, uh, because I move around, I never felt like I was becoming outsider. Always, it felt like making new friends instead of understanding myself as an outsider in a group, and also. That allow me to um, get easily adopted to new places, and yeah, and also embrace the difficulties and challenges of making human relations. So, yeah, I think it's really valuable. Yeah, and, um, and it helps you as an adult as well, you know, yeah, because yeah. you're going to find yourself in different situations. You're going to, you know, maybe go to different jobs and and um, move different places, and it just really, I think, helps you. Because I, I look back at at my kids now. We've lived. You know, like I said, my lived here for 33 years. My oldest uh, son is 27. Uh, my youngest are twin boys that are 15, and they've never lived anywhere else than Sioux Falls. Uh, so it's harder for them, I think, to be used to change or you know going off to college and things like that. Where for me, it was much easier. So yeah, it it, it makes a huge difference when you're when you're traveling like that as as a kid. Yeah. Then, apart from being um, moving around, what did you um, define the dif- like, or what did you point out as the differences between SAS and other American high schools? Um, I think, well, it was it, it was a big shock because I went from a school of um, there was 500 people in my senior class. There would have been uh, if I'd have stayed there, <clears throat> and and I was a total. There was over a thousand kids in that school. Moving to Seoul American High School, I think there might have been 100 
people in my senior class, much smaller school. It was a much older school. Uh, there wasn't, there, there weren't the facilities there that we had in Lawton, Oklahoma. So it was, uh, uh, the facilities weren't great. You know, the building wasn't great. Um, the teachers, I tell you though, the teachers were all great. I thought, um, the, the kids, you know, because, because you're all in the same kind of situation, you're, you're away from home, you're away from your, um, your country, you're, you're in a, in this school that most kids haven't, you know, maybe have been there for one or two years. You're kind of all in the same boat. So it's kind of cool because when a new person comes in, you kind of know what they're going through and you help, you try to make it easier for them in the transition. So I felt a lot of that. Um, so despite the fact that it was a big shock and the school was much smaller and didn't have the facilities, it was just the people that made all the difference to me. I see. And what, what, um, what do you think to the, to be the greatest benefit of attending SOS? Um, again, it was just, I think the, the, so the people that from so many different places that, that you met there, um, not just American people, not just American kids, but all these other kids that had come from different countries. Um, I think that was the, the biggest thing for me was the, the cultural influence of meeting all kinds of different people. Um, and also just, I, I remember my greatest memories were being on the basketball team mm -hmm. and traveling around Korea. I remember we took a, the blue train from, from Seoul. We went down to Tegu, Taejeon, uh, Busan, and, and went all the way down and play and stopped every, every one of those cities and played a basketball game and then took that train back to Seoul. So that was cool seeing almost, uh, almost the whole country from the 38th parallel all the way down to, you know, uh, Busan. And back then they called it Busan, I guess it's Busan now, but, um, so yeah, that, that was great. Just that bonding experience of playing basketball and traveling the country and meeting all different people. That was, I, I think to me, uh, the greatest benefit of going to Seoul American high school. Mm -hmm. I see. Um, then, um, because when you graduated, Saz, um, mm -hmm. there was no, nothing like Facebook or no. So, um, how were you able to keep in touch with the Saz alumni and how, did it impact any of the relationships back then because there was no way to contact you? Yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. I mean, the first the first year after I graduated, I actually stayed in, in Korea with my family because my dad wasn't scheduled to move back to the United States until 1979. So I graduated in 1978. And so um, I stayed there a year. I still helped out with the basketball team. I kept in touch with people that were there, obviously at the high school. Um, at the same time, I was uh, teaching English uh, to Korean college students. Now I say teaching, it was the loosest form of the term because all they really wanted to do was just to talk. Um, because from what I had found out was that most Korean kids growing up, they learn English but they don't really get a chance to practice it with someone like myself who who speaks English every day. So they just wanted to to do that. And I was I was amazed that they would pay me just to sit around and talk. And most of the time we would go to coffee shops or mm -hmm. um, restaurants. And on top of paying me for just talking to them, mm -hmm. they would pay for the coffee. They'd pay for the food and everything like that. 
So, um, which I thought was great. And I still remember looking back and, and remembering uh, some of these, uh, you know, Korean college students, they would, they would buy this food and put it in front of me and they would, they were, they would be sure that I wasn't going to eat it because there's no way that an American kid's going to eat this, um, this foreign food that I wasn't used to. But I tell you what, I tried everything. I loved pretty much everything. And so I learned a lot about the Korean, Korean food because of that. And, and also the you know, more of the Korean culture, just by talking to these, these college students about pretty much everything politics or weather or sports or all that kind of stuff um so so i did stay a year after after graduating and and i remember when i went to college when i finally moved back to the states i did lose contact with a lot of friends um there were a couple of friends that i kept in pretty close contact with but the way it worked was you didn't want to call because there's no cell phones and if you were to call it costs a lot of money to make an international phone call. So I didn't do that. Um, and if you wrote a letter, um, it took a week. I remember I would write a letter from Iowa State in Ames, Iowa, and I would send a letter back to Korea. It would take about a week to get there. And you would hope that the person who got the letter would write you back right away because it would take another week for their letter to get back. So you're talking two weeks um, from the time you wrote the letter before you heard back from them in the uh, in the best scenario you know it, it, if they didn't answer right away of course it took longer well now with a text message or uh, an email you can get in contact with somebody i mean like that just like you and i are doing you know you sent me a a zoom meeting email and here we are talking which is amazing to, still to me but back then it just took forever to try to, to uh, keep in, in touch with people um but then of course there were people who were back in the states with with me as well not in the same area but then you can make phone calls and write letters and things like that it would it, it would be a little faster process but keeping in touch with people in korea was was pretty tough but now that facebook and that is around you know i've i've reconnected to some people that i had lost contact with uh from 40 some years ago so that's that's really helped but at first it was it was pretty tough to keep in touch with people mm-hmm. i see then um because you mentioned about you missing uh, your favorite TV show when you first yeah. in the uh, Yeah. I, I heard from a lot of science alumni that, uh, especially back in the 70s or 80s, when all the information or any newspaper should have been sent through uh, actual mails. Yeah. It's really difficult to uh, keep in touch with American culture. Right. Especially for teenagers, keeping up with the teenager, teenage cultures are really important. So how were you able to deal with that? Or how do you like remember your experiences of trying to keep in touch with America? Well, I know. I mean, I guess at, at, up to a point, you just accept the fact that you're just not going to be able to do that. I mean, I, I remember coming back to the United States and, and um, seeing all these different TV shows or hearing different music. Um, that I had never heard of when I was in Korea. Um, so I guess after a while, you just accepted the fact that you just weren't going to be able to keep up with with the things that were going on back in the States. And so you just kind of got used to that. I mean, we did get the Stars and Stripes. It was a, a military yeah. newspaper that came every day. And usually the, the news was a day old because it took a while to get that sent out to everybody. But um, I guess I just realized that 
I just was going to lose. I just lost touch with the things that were going on. And I just had to catch up when I got back to the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, then, like, yeah, I think uh, what's really important here is that uh, you sometimes have to embrace that you're not going to able to get in right. touch with that. And, um, and I think sometimes um, you might feel that your some sort of identity was being lost or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then, um, well, you, yeah, it, it, that's true. But you're also kind of you're also kind of creating a new identity, which is, yeah. I think, another advantage because I mean, you're still the same person, but you have yeah. to. So you learn to adjust and that kind of thing. So yeah, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Then, um, what is a, one of the Kore- new Korean culture you learn here um, that you still remember to be very important or influencing your personal identity? From something that I learned when I lived there. Yeah. Um, just accepting. Just here's what I remember. I I remember. Mm-hmm. being accepted mm-hmm. being in a in a in a foreign country mm-hmm. and so whenever i see someone in it, you know someone around here who i know is from somewhere else mm-hmm. and they're struggling and they're trying to you know they're trying to speak english and, and and it just makes me mad when when people make fun of somebody who who's trying to speak english and they can't do it very well mm-hmm. i i that really bug that really makes me mad because i know what kind of that's like living you know living in korea and mm-hmm. trying to speak english trying to speak korean i should say and everybody was very helpful nobody made fun of me nobody laughed at me mm-hmm. i think they were very um appreciative of the fact that i was attempting to learn this new language so that's what i feel when i see somebody from a different country who are in a new place and and trying to speak the language and trying to fit in, I, I know what that's like. And so I want to help them as much as I can. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways. Mm-hmm. Um, then, um, like, because usually the inside a military base, it's really a racially diverse community. In this yeah. in the case of Yongsan um, Garrison, it has been very racially diverse. So mm-hmm. did it um, impact your understanding of racial diversity or how we get to embrace those differences? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was that way even before Korea, you know, any, any army base is like that. Yeah. And, and living in Korea, it's even more, um, that's when you, not only do you, do you meet different races from your own country, but there are different, there are people from different countries too that are living on the base. And so you just, I remember... You know, obviously, you notice the difference in people, but you don't care. I mean, I know some people say, well, I don't see color. You know, well, I I see color, but I don't care. You know, I, I mean, we're all the same. We're all in the same boat. Um, so, it, yeah, that really helps. That really helped me growing up. I remember there was a quote from Mark Twain who, who said, who wrote way back in the early 1900s. He mentioned something about how travel is the antidote to, pre- to prejudice. Um, because when you travel around, you learn, as I mentioned before, um, we're pretty much all the same. And, and when you travel around, you, you realize that. And I think that's what happened to me growing up, living on different army bases and especially living in Korea, because it was like, 
even more so more diverse to me mm-hmm. i see then um more of a lighter question so um is there any most funniest uh funniest episode you remember <laughs> from being here in korea yeah i mean i think the funniest one was um i think it i think it was the year we graduated it might have been the year after um when my my brothers came to visit from the united states and i also a good friend of mine david drake who i think you may have be interviewing for this podcast we flew down to um chejudo island just to, it during the summer just to get away and just see see what that was like and And it was really fun. And I remember we took a cab ride. I mean, Chejo, Chejido Island is not that big of an island, so you can drive around it in, in a day, really. And so we took a taxi. We hired a taxi driver to drive around, around the island. And that morning, I remember, you know, we had breakfast at the hotel. And I must have had something. Some, I think it was some bad milk or something. So I did not feel good that whole trip. And so almost the whole trip... I was hanging out the window of this taxi and, you know, not feeling good. And I remember that my friends and my brothers were laughing at me and the taxi driver wasn't very happy because we had to keep pulling over so I could get out and, you know, I'd, I'd be sick. Um, but looking back at that, it was it was a really fun trip um, once I got over being sick. And um, I just remember that taxi driver, my <laughs> my friend David, who, who whose mother is Korean. You know, he could speak English. I mean, he could speak Korean, you know, very fluently. So he was apologizing up and down for me. But I remember that was a funny scene. But yeah, there, there, there was a few more, I'm sure, that I could think of if I had to. But that's the one that pops to mind right there. Mm, I see. And what's also interesting listening to your story is that um, I was able to interview another um, SARS alumni. And he graduated SAWS at 9069. So okay. and he also shared his experience of visiting Jeju Island. And his experiences, uh, he, he told me that back then there were only two cars in the island. Oh. Yeah. And well, the one thing I remember about Jeju Island was um, it, it had developed quite a bit, I'm sure, since 1969. We stayed at a, a nice big hotel. It was the... At back then, it was called the, the KAL Hotel. Korean Airlines, I guess, was uh, sponsored it. But there was this beautiful hotel in the middle of this island. But it was just very, all around, it was just, uh, it, to me, it, was, it seemed like it was a kind of poverty-stricken. Mm-hmm. So I just felt really weird being in this nice, beautiful hotel. And if you walk a block away, um, you saw a lot of people living in... Um, not very good not very good conditions so to me that was just kind of a weird deal but that's probably changed as well but um yeah it was it i remember it being a beautiful island and you know being the beaches and that kind of thing um but that that's one thing that struck me really well was the the difference between the really where it was really nice and where it really wasn't but um all in all it was a it was a pretty it was a very fun experience Yeah, because um, I've um, what I felt by interviewing a number of SARS alumni um, is that because they experienced Korea in different era in the history, they tell all different stories about Korea. And yeah. What one thing that unites all of them, or that they understand the the value of human uh, connections and all the the bonds that they created here in in SARS. So. I really came down to realize that although people are really different here, 
um, in, in, inside Jung's and Garrison, but what really makes them all connected is the, the beautiful human relation they were able to build. Oh, yeah. And I, I would I would love to go back. I know a couple of years ago they had a, mm-hmm. um, a, re, a Seoul American High School reunion in Korea, but I wasn't able to make it. I, I probably couldn't afford it either. It seemed like it was pretty expensive, but I would love to go back someday. I know Yongsan is is not the same anymore in fact it's it's being converted to a park which is yeah. i think is great you know i mean it's a beautiful area and i hope they and i and i'm sure that you know the korean people are going to do a great job with it but i would love to go back and see what that's going to look like once they get that transformation all all it'll be kind of sad for me of course because it's not gonna be the same but also you know it belongs to the korean people and and uh, i would love to see what they do with that then were you able to visit korea again after you graduated sauce no, I, you know, I really wish I had, but no, I've, I've not been back there since July. I think it was July 6, 1979, we flew out. And I remember it, it was so weird to me because I was sad, you know, because flying into Korea almost two years previous, I was, I was really upset. I was homesick. I just didn't, I, I just wanted to turn around and fly back right away. And so it was, it was really strange to me flying out how how sad I felt about it um but no I haven't been back my mom and dad did go back I think in the early 1990s to visit but but hopefully someday I can do that yeah I think it'll be great for you to visit Korea because a lot of things have changed since oh yeah yeah (laughs) that's that's the thing I remember even even the two years that I was there Mm -hmm. how much how much Korea grew there was construction going on all the time you know, and uh, and just seeing the videos and, and pictures and things that I've seen now from Korea, it just seems like it's it's so much different. Um, so um, you stayed in uh, in Korea from ninety seventy uh, seven seven to ninety seventy nine. Yep. Then um, over those years, um, based on what I remember about the history, uh, it was quite politically turbulent time because of yeah. Uh, the, uh, the president park was under a lot of political pressures mm-hmm. especially with the relation with uh jimmy carter back yep. then because yeah so can, did you feel any of these political struggles while you were living in, in korea because because your experiences were also somewhat inside the, the garrison so i'm not sure right so not really i mean it's just we we felt a little i guess a little insulated from that kind of stuff um i do remember when uh, well, this was short. 1977 was shortly after there was that that axe incident um, in at at the 38th parallel, you know, up in Panmunjom. So the tensions were kind of high then. So that I, I remember being a little nervous moving to Korea so soon after that. But uh, as I remember, there were really no um, incidents like that while I was there. Uh, and I do remember when Jimmy Carter visited. That was kind of cool. Um, he visited at some point. I think it was in 78 or 79. Um, to meet with the president park and we I remember we drove by the hotel uh, where he was staying just to see what that was like you know to see all the secret service and that kind of thing but I didn't really we didn't really feel that any of the turmoil of anything like that but it was shortly after we moved back to the United States that um, president park was assassinated so um, uh, so there were things that were happening before and right after we were in Korea that were pretty monumental. But while we were there, there really wasn't that much happening. I remember going to the going to visit Panmunjom. Mm-hmm. That was really that was really an experience. I really enjoyed that. Um, you know, going to the 
to the armistice room or the, the building where you could walk across the line into North Korea. And I still remember to this day, the North Korean guards looking in the window and they were, I remember them kind of tapping at the window and smiling, um, which to me I thought was pretty creepy. But, uh, and I remember that, you know, the American um, uh, people who took us up there, the soldiers, they said, make sure that don't respond to anything they're doing. Don't wave at them. Don't smile at them. Don't do anything. Um, so I remember just looking at them, <laughs> these North Korean guards just tapping at the window and kind of smiling and just kind of looking at them and not, not waving or anything. And just, that was kind of, it, but that was a really a cool experience, but there were no incidents while I was there. Nothing that was really, um, uh, made me nervous the two years that we were there. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, then it almost comes down to the final questions of today's Okay. So um, what did you say to be the greatest takeaway from your experiences in SARS? And why do you think SARS really matters to the alumni and to, even to the people who didn't attend there? Why do you think we should really um, have a better understanding of the stories there? I think my biggest takeaway um, what is just the fact that you learn to accept people. You learn to uh, be to put yourself in other people's shoes when they're in a in a difficult situation or a situation that they're not used to, and that's the biggest takeaway I think just from living there. Um, the second thing is from living in in live or going to school at Soil American High School. Um, even though I had to make all new friends, it, they they were so accepting of of me, and because everybody knew that we were kind of all in the same situation, and and so it became easier to bond and just this you know sharing stories of where you are from and and things that you did in the states and the things that you that you like to do and and that kind of thing. It's it just. Really, I think I bonded with more people in in Seoul American High School in less than two years than I did, you know, in four years in 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 Lawton, Oklahoma. So that's the big thing is just the bonding that took place at Seoul American High School. Mm-hmm. Um, then, like, um, like because um, SAS closed in 2019, based on what I remember. Hmm. Um, why do you think the alumni is still important for everyone who attended there? And um, how do you think we should remember the place? Well, it's, I guess I'm not real sure how to answer that question. I mean, it's just a place that, mm-hmm. can, you, can you repeat the question? So um, you think how we should remember SAS because um, oh. the physical remnants and the buildings will be gone and are gone and right what we only have are, are the memory so oh yeah yeah well i think you know the, the the building that i attended is probably was gone long before the the new one is you know because the one i attended had been there a long time and they built a new one but you know just i think you should remember that the kids who went there um there were there were no there was nothing political there was nothing you know, we were there because we had to be there because our parents were were sent there. So we were, nobody had any agendas. Nobody had any, um, really that I remember never talked about politics, anything like that. We were just kids that were, that were kind of thrown together in a situation that we weren't used to. And, and we learned to, 
and I would say 90% of us learn to love Korea and love the culture. And so I, I, I think it should re- be remembered as a place that helped to form, form kids' minds to be more accepting of, of different kinds of people. That's, that's how I would say. I see. Um, I think it's really um, great hearing stories from different people because what I feel like about SARS is that really, like, not just racially, but generally the experiences of people there are really having a different spectrum of experiences in their life. So I can hear very different stories from every people. And um, I think it's very unique in that sense because usually if you go to uh, some school, um, although everyone is different, but you, you have a lot of commonalities. But here at SARS, it feels like the 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 title of being um, SARS alumni and having such great human relations is something really, really connects them at the core. Yeah. Oh yeah, and you and you realize that now, um, now that their social media is up, and you know, that now that we have social media, you can re- still reconnect with people. You know, I'm 60 years old, so we're talking. Uh, talking to other people that are my age who still have these great memories of of going to school there so it's a really it's it's a really experience that affects you the rest of your life yeah true um well so these are the only questions that i have for today and is there any anything you want to finally add on here well i just want to thank you for doing this and um you know it's it's great that you have this interest in in doing this podcast and um and I and I can't wait to to see how it turns out. And I um, I'm really looking forward to, to listening to other stories that other people are are giving as well. So I'm just very appreciative of you doing this. Yeah. Um. So thank you again, you uh, Phil and everyone for listening to our podcast. So I wish to see you all in our next episodes. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye.